0: Catherine Knight was known as a violent person, relationship after relationship. She showed that she was an angry and abusive spouse and partner. Catherine Knight would go on to become known as the Australian cannibal. What brought her to kill John Price? Hey Eerie Tribe, this is Noah. And you're listening to the Eerie Podcast. Not the Spooky Podcast, but the Eerie Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're at episode 29 already. Can you believe it? I do want to say that I am probably gonna go back and like redo some of the episodes because now that I've gotten a little bit more of a routine down with this and like a process it's taken quite a bit but i think i really want to redo some of the episodes i've done before so you can go ahead and listen to them but i might redo them later just throwing that out so it's november already guys it's crazy to me i pretty much missed spooky season except for one awesome party at my friend's house it was like a chill party i got to make a wind chime out of Actual deer bones that were in the woods. It was so cool. I'm going to do a little bit of a shout out to like, I got to meet the hosts from Weirds of a Feather, which is an ADHD podcast. It's really fantastic. I really recommend checking it out. But they are some of the coolest people. I loved being able to just chill with them and make bone chimes. (laughs) It was super cool. Maybe I'll post a picture on the Instagram for this. Just so you can see what the chimes look like. It was really, really cool to make. Outside of that, I hope everyone's doing good. I haven't heard any, like, crazy news lately, but I also haven't been listening to the news. So that might be, why like, <laughs> you know, why, why bother myself <laughs> with that shit? <laughs> so, you know, we had a few weeks off of the really dark stuff but this week we are gonna just jump right at, back into the dark abyss of evil gruesome murders so hope you're all ready for this so today we're talking about the one and the only australian cannibal and it's not fun it does obviously talk about cannibalism a little bit it's gross Yeah, this is going to be a rough one, guys. So put on your, you might want to retie your shoes so that they're a little bit tighter. I may have smoked a little bit of weed last night, and today I'm just chill. Just chill, living my best life. All right, so Catherine Mary Knight was born on October 24th, 1955. Her family was originally from a place called Aberdeen in New South Wales, Hunter Valley. Barbara Rohan was forced to move to Mori after beginning a relationship with Ken Knight, who was a coworker of her husband. So she was doing a little bit of cheating. So both the Rohan and Knight families were well known, and the affair was like a huge scandal. So two of the Rohans' four children remained with their father, while the two youngest were sent to live with the aunt in Sydney. Catherine Knight was the younger of twins born to Barbara, and her kind of partner, Ken, and she was born in Tenterfield, New South Wales. Jack Rohan died in 1959, and the two children who lived with him moved in with the Knight family. Barbara's grandmother was apparently an indigenous Australian from the Moray area who had married an Irishman. She was proud, I guess, of this fact and liked to think of her own family as aboriginal. This was kept a family secret because there was like a lot of racism in the area and they just didn't want that to affect their children. Apart from Catherine's twin, the only person she was close to was her uncle Oscar Knight who was a champion horseman. And this uncle went on to commit suicide in 1969. And she, to this day, says that his ghost visits her. In 1969, the family moved back to Aberdeen. So a little bit more about their family. Catherine's father was an alcoholic who openly used violence and intimidation to rape her mother, and sometimes up to 10 times a day. Her mom apparently would just tell their daughters everything, like all the details and how she hated sex and men. A little side note that later, Catherine would talk to her mom and complain that her, one of her partners wanted to, you know, have her do something in the bedroom that she didn't want to do. And her mom was like, put up with it and stop complaining. Holy crap. So Catherine claimed later on that she was also sexually abused by several family members, which happened until she was 11 years old. So Catherine as a kid was considered pleasant, but she had really bad anger issues. She had really bad anger issues in response to like small things. So when she attended Muswell Brook High School, she became a loner and remembered by classmates as a bully. Who stood over small children. She assaulted at least one boy at school with a weapon and was once injured by a teacher who was found to have acted in self defense. But outside of that, Catherine was a model student and she even earned awards for good behavior, which is crazy. When she left school at 15, she didn't learn to read or write, I guess, or at least not well. So she got a job as a cutter in a clothing factory. She only stayed there for 12 months, and then she was like, you know what, I'm going to go get my dream job, which was being a butcher. She was quickly promoted to boning and given her own set of butcher knives. At home, she hung the knives over her bed so that they would always be handy if she needed them. And she continued that habit up until she was incarcerated later on. So for years and years and years, (laughs) this woman had knives over her bed. That is creepy. That's a red flag. (laughs) But she found boyfriends, so. (laughs) Catherine met her first boyfriend, who was a huge drinker and coworker, David Stanford Kellett, in 1973, and completely dominated him. If this guy got into a fight, Catherine would just jump in and back him up with her fists, like, without fail. In Aberdeen, she was renowned for offering armed combat to anyone who upset her. So she continued the trend into her adult life. (laughs) Like she was just ready to fight. She she was born to fight, I guess. So Catherine married David Kellett in 1974 at her request with the couple arriving at the service on a motorcycle and they were super drunk, like (laughs) super, super drunk. When Catherine arrived there, her mother gave her new husband, some advice. David Kellett would later on say that Barbara told him the following, and I quote, the old girl said to me, watch out. You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. And that was her mother talking. Barbara also told them that Catherine has a screw loose. There's something missing there. <laughs> so on their wedding night, Catherine, you know, it's a typical wedding night. Catherine tried to strangle David Kellett. <laughs> and she explained after it was because he fell asleep after only having intercourse three times. Oh, I'm sorry. Three times wasn't enough for you, Catherine. Get it together, Catherine. Apparently the marriage, and you would assume that this marriage was really violent. On one occasion when Catherine was really pregnant, like close to her due date, she burned all of his clothing and shoes before hitting him across the back of the head with a frying pan, simply because he arrived home late from a darts competition after he made some finals, like he was really good at darts. So he was obviously afraid for his life and fled before collapsing in a neighbor's house where he was later treated for a badly fractured skull. The police wanted to charge Catherine, but was now on her best behavior and talked David Kellett into dropping the charges. In 1976, right after the birth of Catherine and David's first child, David was like, okay, I'm done with this, and left Catherine for another woman. He said he was unable to deal with Catherine's possessive violent behavior, the very next day after he left, she was seen pushing her baby in a pram, which is like a, just a baby carriage that you push with wheels, you know, down the road, and she was like violently throwing it from side to side. And Catherine was seen doing this, so she was admitted to the hospital and diagnosed with postnatal depression spent several weeks recovering. After she was released, Catherine placed the two-month-old baby on a railway line shortly before the train was due to come. Then she stole an axe and went into town and threatened to kill several people. A man known in the district as old Ted, who was forging near the railway line, found and rescued Melissa. By all counts, only minutes before the train passed. So she was arrested again and again taken to St. Elmo's Hospital, which is insane to me. Like, I like you think this would be the end of this, but. It's not, unfortunately. There's a lot more to this. So, she apparently recovered the following day and signed herself out of the hospital. (laughs) Uh, A few days later, Catherine slashed the face of a woman with one of her knives and demanded she drive her to Queensland to find her ex husband, or soon to be ex husband. The woman escaped after they stopped at a service station, but by the time police arrived, Knight had taken a little boy hostage and was threatening him with a knife she the police disarmed her by attacking her with brooms and she was admitted to morris at psychiatric hospital can you imagine being a police officer having to use a broom to try and disarm what the hell is going on here sorry this woman isn't funny but some of this stuff is like you can't make this shit up like i mean you can i guess but it sounds so crazy so Catherine told the nurses at that hospital that she intended to kill the mechanic at the service station because he had repaired her ex-husband's car, which had allowed him to leave. <laughs> and then she was going to kill both her husband and his mother when she arrived in Queensland. So Catherine was just was not stable at all. I don't know if you can tell. Like, she was just really, really unstable. So when... David was told about all of this. He was like, oh, I better go help her and go support my wife. So David and his mother moved to Aberdeen to to help her. Catherine was released on August 9th, 1976 into the care of her mother-in-law. And along with David, they now. Moved into Woodbridge, a suburb of Brisbane, Australia. Where she got a job at another meatworks place. On March sixth, nineteen eighty, they had another daughter, Natasha Marie. In nineteen eighty-four, Catherine left Kellett and moved in with her first with her parents in Aberdeen, then to a rented house in nearby Muswellbrook. Although she returned to work at the butcher shop, she injured her back the following year and went on to disability pension. Catherine was done with David Kellett. But, you know, Catherine would move on to another man, another guy, you know, and this is one of a few here that we know of, of course. So Catherine met another David, David Saunders. I'm going to call him Saunders from here on out, just so we don't get confused. But Catherine met 38 year old minor David Saunders in 1986. After a little bit, he moved in with her and her two daughters. Although he kept his old apartment in Scone. There's a place in Australia called Scone. Doesn't that make you kind of want a scone? Like a blueberry scone, warmed up, tasty. Okay, anyway, (laughs) let's move on. So Catherine would become jealous, and this was typically when he would do something without her, I guess. So she would often just throw him out. He ended up moving back to his own apartment in Scone, and she would very, she would pretty much ask him like regret, you know, whatever had happened and beg him to come back. So he did in may of 1987. And this one's hard. This is, she cut the throat of his two month old dingo pup in front of him for no reason, except an example of what would happen if he ever had a, had an affair. And then she went on to knock him unconscious with a frying pan. In June of 1988, she gave birth to her third daughter, Sarah, which prompted David Saunders, or which prompted Saunders to put a deposit on a new house, which Catherine paid off when her workers' compensation came through in 1989. All right, Yuri Trab. I'm so excited to talk about today's sponsor, Audible. Audible is, (laughs) I can honestly say that I use Audible on a daily level. I read a lot, but sometimes I don't have time to just read or maybe I'm, you know, hitting the hay and I need to put the book down and just listen for a little bit. New members can actually try Audible for free for 30 days using our link. As an Audible member, you can choose one title per month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. You can find some $50 audiobooks and get them super cheap by just having this Audible membership. There's so many Audible exclusives as well that you can only listen to on Audible. You'll discover exclusive Audible originals from top celebrities, renowned experts, and exciting new voices in audio, which I might be one of those soon. But for real, anything you're interested in, you can find it on Audible. There's so much on Audible that you can check out. If you visit audibletrial.com slash pod, you can get one free month and one free book that you get to keep forever. So check it out, guys. Strongly recommend it. So, Catherine, you know, decorated the house with animal skins, skulls, horns, rusty animal traps, leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks. No space, including the ceilings, was empty. It was all that stuff. (laughs) So, their relationship was obviously not stable, and it was never stable. I don't think it really shipped for Catherine was ever stable. But anyway, she one night had an argument with him and hit him in the face with an iron before stabbing him in the stomach with a pair of scissors. He moved back to Scone, but when he later returned home, found she had cut up all of his clothes. Saunders took a leave from work and went into hiding. Catherine tried to find him, but no one admitted to knowing where he was. Several months later, he returned to see his daughter and found that Catherine had gone to the police and told them she was afraid of him. They pretty much gave her a restraining order against him, which is crazy. So that was the end of that. Later on in 1990, Catherine met a man named John Chillingworth and became pregnant by him. He was a co-worker at the butcher shop that she worked at and gave birth the following year to a boy, and they named him Eric. Their relationship lasted for three years before she left him for a man she'd been having an affair with for some time. And his name was John Price. So John Price was that guy. Everyone loved him. He had three children before him and Knight even had the affair. And his own marriage ended in 1988. While his two-year-old daughter had remained with his ex-wife, the two older children lived with him. Price was really he he knew all about Catherine's violent reputation and she still moved into his house in 1995. His children actually liked her. He was making a lot of money working at the mines and apart from the violent arguments at first life was a bunch of roses I quote and at first everything was really really great. In 1998 they had a fight over, Price's, or, uh, over, John Price's, <clears throat> over John's refusal to marry her. And in retaliation, Catherine videotaped items he had stolen from work and sent the tape to his boss. Although the items were out-of-date medical kits, and he had scavenged them from, like, trash, John was fired from the job he had held for over 17 years. That same day, he kicked her out, and she returned to her own home, news of what she had done spread throughout the town so she was crazy she like would not just let anyone go she was like nope I'm gonna screw everyone up I'm gonna if you don't want me good your life's gonna be ruined it's horrible so a few months later Catherine restarted the relationship although he now refused to allow her to move in and the fighting became even more frequent and most of his friends would no longer have anything to do with him while they remained together. Like no one wanted to be around this woman. She was crazy. She was known for being crazy. Like she was scary. So in February of 2000, Catherine unleashed just a bunch of assaults on John Price. And finally she ended up stabbing him in the chest. He got so sick of this that he was just like, okay, get out of my house. I'm done. On February 29th, he stopped at the Scone Magistrates Court on his way to work and took a restraining order out to get her away from him and his children. So that same afternoon, John told his co workers that if he didn't come to work the next day, it was because Catherine had killed him. They pleaded him not to go home, but he told them that he believed she would kill his children if he did not. So Catherine arrived home to find that, or John arrived home to find that Catherine wasn't there herself, but had sent the children away for a sleepover at a friend's house. He then spent the evening with his neighbors before going to bed at 11 p.m. Earlier that day, Catherine had bought new black lingerie, had videotaped all of her children while making comments about having been interpreted as a crude will. Okay, well... Whatever Catherine had ended up arriving at John's house later while he was sleeping and sat in the living room, watched some TV and then went and took a shower. Then she woke up John and they ended up having sex. So after they had sex, he fell asleep and then roll around to the next morning at 6am. John's neighbors noticed that his car was still in the driveway. And they're like, that doesn't look right. So he also didn't arrive to work. So his employer sent a coworker to see what was going on. So the neighbor and the coworker tried knocking on the bedroom window. And then eventually they noticed some blood on the front door. And then they were like, okay, we have to call the police. So they called the police. So the police came, they broke down the back door and found John's corpse with Catherine close by in like a comatose state. She had apparently tried to overdose after killing him. So she ended up killing him with a butcher's knife while he was sleeping, according to the evidence. So according to statements, he woke when she stabbed him and tried to turn on the light before attempting an escape while Catherine chased him through the house. He managed to open the front door and get outside, but ended up stumbling back inside or was dragged into the hallway where he finally died after bleeding out. So Catherine later went to Aberdeen and took a thousand dollars from his ATM account. And during the autopsy, they revealed that he had been stabbed 37 times in both the front and the back of his body, with many of the wounds extending into vital organs. After several hours, Price died Knight skinned him and hung the skin from a a meat hook within the house. In one of the lounge rooms, she then decapitated him and cooked parts of his body and served up meat and baked potatoes, pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy in two settings at the dinner table, along with notes besides each plate, each having the name of one of Price's children on it. She was preparing to serve his body to his children. So a third meal was made too but it was thrown on the lawn in the back for some reason. And they think that it was because Catherine attempted to eat it, but could not. And she would later on say she didn't know why. (laughs) John's head was found in a pot with vegetables. The pot was still warm, estimated to be between uh, 40 and 50 degrees Celsius, indicating that the head was cooked early in the morning. So later, Catherine arranged the body, with the left arm draped over an empty 1.25-liter soft drink bottle, with the legs crossed. This was claimed in court to be an act of defilement, demonstrating Catherine's hatred of John. Catherine left a handwritten note on top of the photograph of Bryce, bloodstained and covered with small pieces of flesh, and the note read, "Time got you back, Jonathan, for reaping." My daughter, you to beck for Ross for little John, which was John's son and his daughter. Now play with little John's dick, John Price. What the hell? Remember, she was not the best at writing and stuff. So the accusations in this note were found to be without ground, like they weren't real. So just throwing that out there. All in all, John seemed to have been a really good guy. So Catherine ended up being arrested and brought to trial. Catherine's initial offer was to plead guilty to manslaughter, but was rejected. And she was arraigned on February 2nd, 2001, on the charge of murdering John Price. To which she entered the plea of not guilty. Her trial was initially fixed for July 23rd, 2001, but was adjourned due to her lawyers being ill. And they reset the date for October 15th, 2001. So when the trial commenced, Justice Barry O'Keefe offered the jury, the 60 jury prospects, the option of being excused due to the nature of the photographic evidence, which five accepted. When the witness list was read out to the prospects, several more also dropped out, after which the jury was impaneled. Catherine's attorney spoke to the judge who adjourned to the following day the next morning, Catherine changed her plea to guilty, and the jury was dismissed. It was now made public that Justice O'Keefe had been advised of the plea change the day before. He adjourned the trial and then ordered a psychiatric assessment overnight to determine if Catherine understood the consequences of the guilty plea and to make sure that she was fit to make that kind of plea. So, Catherine's legal team had planned to defend Catherine by claiming amnesia and disassociation, claims supported by most psychiatrists, although they did consider her sane. There is never any reason that given to explain why she gave a guilty plea. And even though she gave a guilty plea, she still refused responsibility of her actions. At the sentencing hearing, Catherine's lawyers requested that Catherine be excused to avoid hearing some of the facts but the application was refused. A doctor named Timothy Lyons took the stand and described the skinning and decapitation. Catherine became hysterical and had to be sedated. So she just it sounds like she was just playing an act. On November 8th, Justice O'Keefe pointed out that the nature of the crime and Catherine's lack of remorse required a severe penalty. He sentenced her to life in prison. He refused to put a parole period in place, in order that her papers be marked never to be released. This is the first time that this had been imposed on a woman in all of Australian history. In June 2006, Catherine appealed the life sentence, claiming that the penalty of life in jail without possibility of parole was way too severe for killing someone. Catherine, I'm sorry. They should have named you Karen. <laughs> You're way too entitled. This, I'm sorry. You kill someone, you go to jail for life. Sorry. Justices Peter McClellan and Michael Adams and Megan Latham dismissed the appeal in the NSW Court of Criminal Appeal in September with Justice McClellan writing his judgment. This is an appalling crime, almost beyond contemplation in a civilized society. Boom. So she was in prison forever. You know, good. So she was given the harshest sentence possible in Australian law. And she was the first woman. Catherine was just not that type of woman that you wanted to cross. And ex-lovers, family members all came forward at the trial and explained that this woman was definitely capable. And Catherine's ex-husband told the court about her killing his puppy, his eight-week-old puppy. And they talked about a lot of other times where she just did some, like, really crazy stuff when someone crossed her in any sort of way. Catherine was portrayed as a vindictive and cruel woman, and she harmed everyone around her. All right, guys. Yeah, so Catherine went to jail forever. She's known as, you know, the cannibal of Australia. She got hers. I feel bad for those kids that didn't get to grow up with their dad. You know, it was just... Just a shitty situation entirely. I feel so bad for those poor kids. Um, But, yeah, that's the story Catherine of the Evil. (laughs) I appreciate everyone who's been giving such great feedback. It's been so nice. And it's made me feel really good about this and the direction that this podcast is going. I want to say make sure to check out our social media if you have some time. You can see some photos of the crime scene, Catherine, some of the bone chimes that I made, uh, and yeah, just a lot of cool stuff. Our Instagram is Instagram.com slash The Eerie Podcast, and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash The Eerie Podcast, and Twitter, Twitter.com slash The Eerie Podcast. If you want to send us any stories or anything cool like that, I do really freaking want to do like a like uh, listener stories or something like that. It would be awesome to do. But, you know, I want to do it when I have enough content to use. And right now I only have a couple, I believe. And, yeah. But if you have anything, type it up, send it my way. If you don't want me to use names, I won't. Whatever. But our email is info at the com make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you are like it or follow button I guess <laughs> this is not YouTube but yeah hit that follow button on whatever podcast platform you are listening on and if you have time leave us a review let us know how we're doing and what I can do better I am one of those people I want to know what I can fix or do better in the future and I am very interested in doing whatever you guys need so any feedback is very much welcome even if it's not positive feedback i think all feedback is positive if you make it positive next week we will be talking about mothman we needed a cryptid i know so we're doing a cryptid we're gonna talk about mothman it's gonna be freaking awesome i love talking about cryptids so all right that is it don't be cannibals and don't be assholes and don't beat up your boyfriends jesus christ catherine (laughs) all right have a good one i will see you all next monday